to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I felt so strong early in the week, the leading of the Holy Spirit to preach on the blood of Jesus. And so I want to talk about his blood. And here's the verse, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, and we're going to go ahead and read it. I'm, uh, you can get your Bible and look it up in a minute, but we'll go ahead and just read it off the screen since it's one verse. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That's what I just talked about. We have fellowship with one another. This is what the power of God does. But notice this, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Can the church say amen to that? All right, you can be seated. Thank you for respecting the Word of God. So I'm just going to preach this morning. Is that all right? It's going to be just a little fired up, a little preach. I'm just going to preach today, and if you want to amen me, in a Pentecostal church, it sure does help. So I want to talk about the blood of Jesus today, and I want to talk first about the Bible. And I just want to make you to understand something this morning. The Bible is a book about blood. It is. Some might argue that the Bible is a bloody book. From Genesis to Revelation, you may not know this, you probably don't, blood is mentioned nearly 700 times. I would imagine that makes it important. The gospel is a bloody story. The cross and the crucifixion of Jesus is a bloody scene. The gist of the gospel, you know, the story of Jesus dying and rising from the grave and, 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 and now living to forgive us of our sins, that story of the Son of God coming to earth is about Him coming to save sinful people. That story is about how it took a horrific and ignominious death to accomplish that divine goal. And that story is that the divine requirement for death and for the death to be effective, for the death to be everlasting and eternal, was that the blood of Jesus must be shed. That's how it had to happen. His blood had to pour out of his body and make no mistake about it. When Jesus died on a cross 2,000 years ago, blood poured out from his body. Blood flowed from the lacerations caused by the rods that struck his head and the brutal whip that lashed his back. Blood flowed from the nail wounds in his hands and in his feet. Blood flowed down his face when the crown of thorns pierced his brow. Blood flowed from the gaping wound caused by a Roman soldier's spear thrust into his side even after he had already died. Now, you need to know this. Some people are chafed by the sight of Jesus' blood in the gospel story. Some preachers mistakenly think that it would be better to eliminate the bloody gore of the gospel. They fear that the the graphic content of the gospel may not be suitable for sinners and for first-time guests in church and even for modern church members. So here's the assumption. The assumption is that the bloody death of Jesus Christ is just too explicit to present in a public setting like this. Well, I'm going to give you my response to these skeptics. You ready? It's real simple. You cannot have the gospel without the blood of Jesus. 
You can't do it. If you take out the blood, it is no longer good news. Nobody can sanitize the gospel. Nobody can sterilize the gospel. And it is not the job of any member or preacher to remove the blood from the gospel in order to make it more palatable for people that might be new to the church or whatever. I heard this, and I wrote it in my message. One woman said, and this is true, and I quote, My pastor says that preaching the cross is not a good tool for church growth. So he doesn't preach the gospel, and he doesn't preach about the cross and the blood because he's busy trying to grow a church. Well, listen to me. The cross is not a tool. And the gospel, and it's... Its goal and the cross's goal has never been church growth. The cross exists to provide salvation and freedom to people who are bound by sin. That's what the gospel is about. Now, if they get in church, then that's a great thing too. But if you remove the blood of Jesus, you remove the source of our salvation. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And that word means forgiveness. So there has to be shedding of blood. So if you take away the blood, there is no release from sin's stranglehold. If you take away the blood, there is no dismissal of your transgressions. If you take away the blood, there is no sending away of your iniquities. If you take away the blood, there is no forgiveness. If you take away the blood, the debt of sin has not been paid. Listen, and that obligates you to pay a price that you cannot afford to pay. It is the price of death. You cannot afford to remove the blood. We need the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Keep your sterilized, sanitized gospel. Give me a bloody gospel. Give me a bloody cross. Give me a bloody Christ because it is through the blood that you and I are made right with God. Come on, give him praise if you want to give him praise this morning. Celebrate that. Now, I know that countless men and women throughout the ages have died and shed their blood in, in, in death. There's, you know, there's story after story, countless stories. But you need to understand this morning that in the, hum, in the history of humanity, no one's blood has had the power like the blood of Jesus. I want to take you to a verse that I studied this week and wanted to bring to you. It's on the screen, Leviticus 17.11. For the life is in the blood. The life is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for your souls. And atonement is about covering. We're going to talk about this more in a minute. But let me just break that down for a minute. Life is in the blood. I think everybody knows that. You don't have to be a medical student or a medical doctor or nurse or personnel to know that. Your life is in the blood. Okay, you take away your blood, you take away your life. I also want to say that the wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible says, that the punishment for sin is death. So if you are here today and you are not right with God, let's just call you what you are, you're a sinner. Here's what the Bible says. God says you must die for your sins. Or someone must die in your place. So God didn't want you to die in your sins, so he set up a sacrificial system. This is in the Old Testament. To, to, to create a scenario where somebody else would die for you, a substitutionary death. This goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve, excuse me, were living right, there was no need for sacrifices because there was no sin. 
But when Adam and Eve committed their first sin, that first sin of humanity, God had to deal with it. So he, the Bible says that he took animals and killed them, and, and they were naked. So he took the skins of the animal and used it to cover them. All right? But for those of us in this room who like to hunt, we understand that you can't skin an animal till you harvest the animal. So God harvested those animals. You say, what were they? I believe from what we see later in the Bible that they were lambs. They were firstborn lambs. I think God took two firstborn lambs. He killed them. He had to, listen to me, he had to provide the sacrifice, the first sacrifice. And he provided a sacrifice. The lambs gave their life. Their blood was shed to cover, at least temporarily, the sin of Adam and Eve. Okay? In the Mosaic Law, all these sacrifices were set in place. Doves and bulls and goats and lambs, they were sacrificed. And here's the whole point. The sacrifice means a life for a life. A life for a life. Okay, let me get more specific. Because life is in the blood, God provided the blood of the animal sacrifices to cover our sin, to make atonement for our sin. I'm going to talk a little bit more about covering in a minute. But now let's apply this to Jesus in the New Testament. Here's the thing. If you want to shout a little bit, go ahead. Jesus died in your place. Okay, so that you wouldn't have to die in your sins. There's the substitute. That's why he's called the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He gave his life for your life, a life for a life. He shed his blood so that you wouldn't have to shed your blood. Oh, somebody ought to say hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, this morning. Okay, this is why we proclaim and shout and sing, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is why we shout and sing and proclaim there is power. Power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. So I want you to know this morning there is power in the blood. I said there's power in the blood. Now I could talk a lot about the blood, but I'm going to focus on two things. First of all, what does the blood do? The blood covers your sins. Covers, that's that word of atonement, okay? And I want you to get this. Now I'm going to show you something from the Old Testament to help you understand this. In the Old Testament with Israel, there was a high priest he was the top dog, okay, the top chief, chief priest of all the priests. Once a year on the Day of Atonement, he would kill a certain animal. He would take that blood. He would take a, a hyssop branch. He would dip it in there. He would go behind the veil into the holy place, or the most holy place, the Holy of Holies. The Ark of the Covenant was there, which was symbolic of God. He would take that blood, and he would sprinkle it on the lid that was on the Ark of the Covenant, which was called the mercy seat. By the way, the mercy seat was a covering. To get to God, you got to have covering. You ain't getting this. Even in the Ark of the Covenant itself, there was covering. You ever seen Indiana Jones? Temple of Doom or whatever? They had the, is that the one or the Ark, whatever? And, and, and he's, they got the lid. They did a really good job of depicting what the Ark of the Covenant would look like. And the two angels had their wings out. That's about what it looked like. The priest would go in and sprinkle blood on that seat. And when he did, it covered the sins of national Israel. But here's the problem. The blood was temporary. Okay, the blood of an animal can't cover completely the, the, blood, the sins of a human. Those types, those, those sacrifices or the word types or symbols looking forward through the ages to when the Lamb of God would come, Jesus would come. And look, the blood of an animal couldn't cover the sins. 
The blood of another human couldn't cover the sins because everybody's got sin. So it took the blood of a God who's eternal and whose power is all-powerful. And so the all-powerful blood of Jesus had to come to cover everybody's sin. You had to have the work of a God as a man to do what nobody else could do, and that's why his blood is. So here's the thing. The high priest would go in, he'd sprinkle it, and then he would come out and he'd say, well, that's done. The sins are covered. 364 days would go around, and guess what? priest had to go in there again. The next year he had to go again. The next year he had to go. He never got to stop. He never got to finish and say, whew, that's done. I never have to sprinkle the blood again because it wasn't efficient. It was sufficient. It wasn't effective. But here's the good news. Jesus comes to this earth. He is both the offerer and the offering, the gift and the giver, the high priest and the sacrifice. And so he comes to this earth, dies on a cross, sheds his blood, goes in a tomb, three days later comes out, shows himself alive for 40 days, goes back to heaven, and the Bible says that after he offered himself for sins one time, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And you know what he did when he sat down? He looks to his left and he said, Father, it's done. I'm finished. The work is over. We took care of it. I don't have to go down there and offer you the blood anymore. I don't have to die ever again. What I've done is lasting. It's, it was good enough for that generation. It was good enough for the next generation. 21 centuries later, it's still good enough for our generation. It'll, cl- it'll cover the sins of my children. It'll cover the sins of my grandchildren. It'll cover the sins of my great-grandchildren. And if Jesus tarries another 100 years, it'll cover the sins of everybody from this point on. I'm trying to tell you there's power in the blood. Hallelujah. So I'm going to tell you this. If God saved you, the work is done. Your sins are covered. Sometimes we go digging through the trash. Sometimes the devil goes digging through the trash. He goes looking for something. But God doesn't see your sins. God doesn't see your past behavior when you're saved. Isn't that great? He said, he's God. He has to. No, when you're God, you can choose not to do things, and it works. Do you ever forgive somebody, but you have a hard time for forgetting it? Don't you wish you could just forget it? See, it would be awesome. God can forgive and forget. You say, God, don't you remember what I did back 13 years ago or 13 minutes ago or 13 months ago? I know I asked you to forgive me. He'll say, no. Don't know what you're talking about. You say, Pastor, are you serious? I'm serious because that's what the Bible says. Your sins are covered. It's part of the atonement. Your sins are, God doesn't see your previous wrong moral decisions. God doesn't see your lifetime of rebellion and selfishness. All he sees is the blood of his son covering your life. So it covers your sins. Then it cleanses your sins. Now that brings us to the text we just read, 1 John 1, 7. In the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sins. Okay? Here's what, here's what I say. Your sins aren't just covered. Your sins are gone. Your sins have disappeared. Okay? They cannot be found anymore. Any more than if I went to the washing machine after I washed my clothes and I take them out to put them in the dryer and I look in the washing machine and say, wonder where all the dirt is. Turn this tub around. There's got to be some dirt in here somewhere. No, there's no dirt in there. 
The dirt is gone. Why would I, does anybody go home and look in the washing machine looking for the dirt? No, because the washing machine's job is to cleanse the clothes from the dirt. That's why you put it in there. And y'all, when the blood of Jesus is applied to your life, it doesn't matter what you've done, how bad you've been, it has the power to cleanse all sins. Not just some sins, all sins. I got to thinking about that because sometimes we beat ourselves up and we don't think God would forgive us of what we've done and how bad we've been. But I'm telling you this morning, God will forgive everything. I'm going to mess with your head. You know, you start thinking, what about people like a pedophile? Yep, it'll cover that sin. Whoa, wait a minute, Pastor. How about a, how about a serial killer? It'll cover that sin. Won't, it won't stop the consequences. Okay? You reap what you sow. You sow to the sin. You'll of the sin reap corruption. And you're going to go to jail. You might, you might get executed depending on the state you're living in. But can God forgive that man? Yes, will God forgive that man if he's repentant? See, we want to write people off. And I'm going to tell you, you better not write off the grace of God in case you ever need it. Say, we don't, we don't want to show too much mercy, but if you ever mess up real bad, you better hope that mercy is available for you. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, it'll cleanse. My wife watches investigation. She likes to watch ID, Investigation Discovery. Oh, Lord. I'll try to go in there and sit and watch TV with her, and I can only take so much of that. And if I ever die a mysterious death, <laughs> you know who the first culprit's going to be. Somebody arrest my wife because she's learning all kinds of ways. To kill people and do things. I, I said, I don't know how you give me some Star Trek or Last Man Standing or MASH or Sanford Son. I got to have something funny, something different. Turn this. I can't handle so much of this. But she loves to watch investigation. But I've sat there before, and I've watched some of those people, and I've looked at them, and I said, what happens to people? I mean, you got to blame it on the devil. I think a lot of times it's the devil. I think some of those people are demon-possessed. But you're like, what has happened to these people? I cannot comprehend what they do and all the people they kill and how they do these things. But let me tell you something. The blood of Jesus has the power to cleanse their sins. I, I, they did a special on that cat. I don't even want to say his name. I don't remember, but I don't want to say his name. But that cat over in Spartanburg, you remember there was a real estate agent. And he's selling real estate to people, working with the public. He's killing people. And got that girl locked up in that storage container. And they did a series. Oh, Leah was all into that. You know, she's got to record it. She's going to miss it and record it. How do I record it, babes? I come here. I'm recording it. Recording killings on my DVR. Here we go. And I look at that guy, you know, and it's just, you know, you're, and then he's demented. They, they, this girl did a series and she interviewed him and the dude's just messed up. He's messed up. But you think, well, surely God wouldn't forgive him. If that man repented of his sins, God would forgive him. Okay? Now, is there consequences? Absolutely. He needs to pay for his sins. But my point is, when, when you sometimes beat yourself up and say, man, I've, I've sinned too bad. I've sinned too much. I've sinned. It's pushed me beyond the edge. Let me tell you, there is no edge. Okay, you create edges in your mind, but the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. You better be glad about it, that it cleanses us from every sin that we ever commit. I mean, by the way, let me just say this. You know, I preach holiness, which is not some uh, thing. It just means you ought to live right. You ought to be different. Holiness means you're different or other than what you were before. You know why God's holy? Because there's nobody like him. That's what makes him holy. He's uniquely different, and that includes that he's pure and he's sinless and he's perfect. Well, we're not pure and sinless and perfect. We're forgiven and we're changed. We're transformed, and, but we still have this treasure in earthen vessels, okay? Now, I know y'all probably in this whole church, I'm probably in the least of all because y'all probably just live right and never do anything wrong. But I'm a preacher that will actually get up and tell you there sometimes I don't get it right. Now, most days I live right and I serve God, okay? But there are some days that I mess up. 
there's some days that I don't get it, you know, I, I don't get it right. I think something I shouldn't, say something I shouldn't, look at something I shouldn't, you know, whatever. Just talk to somebody in a way I shouldn't have. I can just sit here and keep making lists. Have an attitude, cop an attitude, okay? Get, I'm out driving and people, people drive stupid. <laughs> Y'all, it's a roundabout. Don't stop. <laughs> keep going. It ain't a four-way stop, okay? Anderson County's growing up. Keep going. By the way, don't ever fully grow up. I, that roundabout's right near my house. I use it all the time. The other day I was driving. I might have had that pastoral staff in there. I can't remember. And I, I hit that thing, and I went around, and I said, I'm going to keep going. I went all the way around it. Anybody done that yet? Come on, y'all got to come on. There'll be hundreds of people now getting in the roundabouts, going round and round and round. I couldn't resist. I had to do it one time. Don't y'all do that. I don't even remember what I was preaching now. Sometimes I don't get it right. Sometimes I mess up. Listen to me. I thank God that even when I mess up, the blood of Jesus is there to cleanse me. He said, how do you know? Because 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Watch this. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And all means everything. And I'm so glad there is, there's blood to cleanse when I mess up. You should. Now listen. That doesn't mean you got a license to mess up. That'd be like washing the, the clothes in the washing machine. Say you got a top loader and you flip it open and the clean clothes are in there. You're supposed to take them out and put them in the dryer. But you look down and you say, whew, that smells good. That's clean. And you take a bucket of dirt and say, but you know what? I think I'm going to make them dirty again. Do you do that? Who in their right mind would do that? Nobody. But you know what? When Jesus saves you and washes your sins away, but then you want to go back living in sin, all you're doing is taking dirt and trying to throw it on the blood. Let me tell you how it works. You don't take sin and throw it at the blood. You take the blood and you apply it against the sin. That It doesn't work the other way around, okay? You don't, you don't trample on the blood of Jesus. God saved you to live right. You are changed. You are in Christ. Old things passed away. Everything becomes new. You're not in sin. You're in Christ. Everybody say, I'm not in sin. I'm in Christ. You're preaching good. Do y'all know there's a blood bank in heaven? There is a blood bank in heaven. You, you know what a blood bank is, right? That's a place where you can go and they collect and they separate and they store blood for medical uses such as blood transfusions. Anybody ever given blood? I've given blood, okay. And, uh, and it's a good thing to do. If you ever get to give blood, it's a good thing. And people are encouraged to come and donate their blood. That way, if there's ever an emergency, there's an ample supply of blood. Well, let me tell you about the blood bank of heaven. It works for everybody. Everybody in sin is one blood type, type O. Obnoxious, onerous, obstinate, ornery, and however many other O's I can come up with. Am I right? That's everybody's blood type, type O. And yet, it is available to everybody who comes in faith and repentance. And this is cool about the blood bank of heaven. There's only one donor who's given to that bank. Just one. And yet, there is enough blood to cover your sins and my sins and the past generation, this generation, the next generation. There's blood to cover everybody's sins in the whole world, all 7 billion plus. That's how much blood there is. Okay? And when I have an emergency... When I sin and I mess up, guess what? 
I can run to the blood bank. And there's blood available for me, see, for when I mess up. Y'all, there's power in the blood of Jesus. You just have to run and say, Lord, forgive me and wash me and cleanse me and change me. Help me never do this again. And the power of the blood will change your life. When I doubt my salvation, I go to the blood. When I sin foolishly, I seek cleansing by the blood. When I share the gospel with people, I emphasize his blood. When Satan reminds me of my moral, moral failures, I remind him of the blood. When Satan comes against me, I overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony. There is power in the blood. I want you to stand with me all over the church, please. There is a mystery to the blood of Jesus. There are mysteries in life. The, the longer you live, and a lot of times the more educated you become, you find all of these things that will make you stand in awe and wonder. Whether it's the universe or the skies and the stars, whether it's the intricacies of botany or flora or fauna, if you just look and study, you'll begin to say, how in the world could that be? I was fishing yesterday and got up under a bridge and the swallows build those dirt nests on the sides of that bridge. And it's just amazing how they can do that. And yet when it comes time, they break them open and the swallows come out. It's just amazing to me. When you just see the things in this life, how do they know to do that? How do they, you just, if I stood here, we could talk for three hours of just all the mysteries of this life. I was talking to a cardiologist friend of mine one time, one time Dr. John Kahn, and I've shared this through the years, but this is, this is an example. And, and a lot of you are in the medical field. Dr. John Kahn said, there are things in medicine we don't understand. He said, we don't know how general anesthesia works. He said, we know that it works. He said, we know how it affects the body, and we've learned how to, we've created a whole field of science. We can use it, work it safely. But if you ask us, how is this working? We have no idea. He said he had on his a court board when he was in, in, in medical school three-by-five cards with questions that were mysteries. The, the world is full of mysteries, and that's a good thing because it always points us back to God. I'll tell you a mystery. It's kind of funny. I don't know how a brown cow can eat green grass and give white milk. Am I right? How can a brown cow eat green grass and give white milk? I don't know. But there's a mystery in the blood. How can God take a black sinful heart, dip it in the ruby red blood of Jesus, and it comes out white as snow? I don't know. But all I know is it works. Oh, I know he doesn't literally dip anybody's heart. It's metaphor metaphorical, but you don't understand what I'm saying. That when you put your faith in Jesus, the blackness of your heart, the sin of God, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the blood of Jesus is applied to that sin, and it washes, and it covers, and it cleanses. And the Bible says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. I don't understand it, but all I know is, y'all, there is power in the blood. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. 
For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.